<clears throat> all right. Well, man, I tell you what, it's a blessing to be here tonight. Uh, welcome to all those that are coming online. I know there's some that are oh, afraid of the cold and others of you that are brave. Uh, do, do We do... Uh, Apologize for last week and, and the transition of, of Gizmo. He he was in the ice uh, storm. I think there's a picture of his front door. I don't know if Whitney can put it up there right now, but uh, out their front door, they were in the ice and the snow and the sleet uh, over in Missouri and going to have to drive through quite a bit of that to get here. And I said, man, don't try to do that. Let's just move you back. I did tell him if we moved him back to February 21st, and if we have another ice storm, he's not getting to come until July. <laughs> We decided that maybe he was the problem and uh, that uh, he's bringing all this bad weather. But uh, anyway, we're, we're, we'll be looking forward to him and, and Janice coming and, and uh, what a blessing it'll be. But let's begin with a word of... Well, let me ask you a question. First of all, are you expecting? Yeah. Amen. Well, if we're expecting, God's going to meet us right where we're at. So Gary's going to open some prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for all the people that's in it. Bless this service tonight. Bless Kelly as he brings us a word. Bless them as they sing the songs, his mother, the piano player, everyone that's involved with the music. Thank you, Lord. And the sound and everything that goes on. Lord, bless this service and bless everyone that's here. Lord, let us all go home safely and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, amen. Well, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to get to be in a church that... Uh, loves country music and, and bluegrass and I know uh, most of you all do. We're going to do a couple of songs here before we get started, before before I do announcements and then we'll let mom and Martha do them as well. But you know just some good old hymns we've made country and then one of them or two of them that you'll recognize I think but this is Rick Seligman and uh, he's a blessing on the fiddle. Let's give him a hand. Amen. If I, I always tell people if it doesn't sound good it's probably me not him. <laughs> We're going to do leaning. He's going to do that first? All right. We, we, we uh, realized we had two, two songs that were almost the exact same, and uh, we were getting them mixed up, so we decided we better separate those two. But leaning on the everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Secure from 
What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting arms It's a blessing, like I said, get to play with, play with uh, Rick, and, and uh, you know, he's played a lot, and uh, I didn't play for a long time. Uh, I didn't start playing until I was about 45 years old, really. I played a little bit as a teenager, but started playing then, and, and I just told God I'll, I'll do, do anything you want me to do, do it, go anywhere you want me to go, go, and one of the places he was sending us was to the rodeos, and doing cowboy churches, and I didn't have music a lot of times, so I started playing and singing, and I, my intent was to play so my kids could sing, or my mom could sing, and, and then it ended up, they too busy, they couldn't be there, so I started singing, and I realized uh, I just do my best. I like this song, this is a good, I'm glad today. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the sky. Tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day. Oh, they tell me of a home where my friends have gone. Tell me of a home far away. Where the tree of life in eternal bloom Sheds its fragrance on the uncloudy day Oh, the land of cloudless days Oh, the land of an uncloudy sky Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise Oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day Tell me of a king in his beauty there Tell me that my eyes shall behold Where the sits on the throne that is whiter than snow In that city that is made of gold Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there Smile drives their sorrows away Sit there till you never come again In that lovely land of uncloudy days Oh, the land, oh, the land of cloudless 
best days Oh, the land of an uncloudy sky Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise Oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day survived it you know uh, when I first started uh, trying to play one of the things that we did is uh, we'd begin we'd um, the kids I'd get the kids trying to play get them trying to figure out guitar and you know guitar is a hard instrument to play unless you're just really dedicated you just got to really get in there and play but I, when I first started playing the kids were all still at home and and young enough several of them young enough I was helping them get get to bed at night so I went to the, I went to a a store uh, the pawn shop and bought me an old what I called my beater guitar it's just one of them cheap ones that uh, I, if I ran into a doorknob or hit it on a dresser or you know ran it into the door frame it wasn't gonna hurt anything and I would go through the house and just bang on these chords and I know they just are like oh god this is terrible it's kind of like your teenage teenager decides they want to play the drums or your first first year student in band and they come bring their trumpet home and and or saxophone and they squeak it around but anyway we've come a long way but this is a fun just a fun country song do lord most of you know it you can sing along if you want to i've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun i got a home in glory land that outshines the sun I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Look away beyond the blue. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Look away beyond the blue. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. I took Jesus as my Savior, you take him too. Look away beyond the blues. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember me. Look away beyond the blue. Make just a few announcements real quick. I'll switch over to this other mic. That'll work for you. We'll do a few announcements real quick and get Mama and Martha up here to sing a couple just to prepare our hearts for worship. I like I enjoy doing that, but it gives me a little break and it lets, allows me to get ready to preach the word because I got a great word for you tonight. Uh, 
couple of announcements. One, if you did not get a message about the snow or the cancellation last week, make sure you check in with Whitney um, or my wife or mom. Give Somebody get your number. And if you don't text, let us know so we can make sure, because it's a mass text that comes out through what we call flock notes. It's a pretty cool way to get... Uh, information out to a mass of people, but I know a couple of you, some of you don't text or, or don't get group texts. And so if that's the case, we want to we want to make sure you're on a call list, but we also will put it on the news channels. And so you can check that out. I think we did it kind of late last week. I, it didn't dawn on me that we could, I forgot we could do that. But always on Facebook, we still went ahead and had, I preached from my living room. If you, if you got Facebook, you were able to see that. You were able to join us there, and I'm, I'm glad you were. Um, also, the sale, uh, the cafe will be open next week, and uh, so we'll remember that. And I already said Gizmo will be on the 21st. One thing we always try to do is thank uh, Dakota and Clarissa Davis for letting us use this facility. So let's give them a round of applause. Appreciate them a lot. Uh, God has uh, just continued to do a work. Uh, Dakota got to preach up at uh, Bethel uh, Holly Baptist Church. Bethel Holly Baptist Church up at up north of Nash uh, got to got to speak there. They asked him to come. I told him I said, now just you know, just don't be getting any big ideas. Be taken off somewhere else. And so, anyway, because he helps me a whole lot at the church there in Carrier and his wife Clarissa. But we're thankful for them. So let's uh, offering buckets are around. And uh, so if you God leads as God leads, give tithe, do it in in faith and trust God because that's what we do is believe God with you as you give and faithfully. So let's pray together over that and the blessing over this sale barn. Father, we just come before you. We thank you and praise you for what you've provided for us in in and through the the blessing of Enid Livestock Market. We continually pray a, a, a blessing on it that Lord God, you draw cattle and buyers and sellers from nor- the north, south, east, and west into this place. Just like we pray that you bring people into this place from the north, south, east, and west. And we know that you do. Father, we just ask that as people give, that Lord, they give out of an expectation not only of uh, an obedience to you and a willingness to surrender it to you, but, Father, also that they be blessed back in return. Father, we know you're faithful to your word, and your word declares if we sow that we'll reap. That, Lord God, your word says that, that you'll open the windows of the storehouse of heaven, meaning, God, you make provision for us when we give. And Father, I thank you and I praise you that we'll, we know that we can do more on what's left over after we give you what's yours. And Father, we know that you're faithful, and I believe, God, with each and every giver in this place, that you make a supply that is supernatural, that we're tapped into the heavenly economy, that you supply our need met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So for every person in need and every person who gives faithfully, I thank you that you make that supply. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're going to have a few more songs. This is my mom, Pat Cronkite. If you don't know her, uh, you hadn't been around Enid much. But, uh, and Martha Counts plays piano. So we're going to, they're going to bless us with a couple of songs here before I preach. Okay. Well, all right. Well, uh, it's always such a privilege to be here. And it's an honor. It's an honor to be asked. And it is an honor to stand before you. And I praise the Lord for the opportunity. So... We always just do some old hymns here, and everybody seems to enjoy them. And so tonight I want to start with Trust and Obey, because I thought, here we are out on this cold night, we're just going to trust the Lord, and we're going to obey, right? When we walk 
Jesus? Do we know that one? Tell me the story of Jesus as we begin to prepare our hearts, and then I wanted to finish with it as well. But I wanted to do this, tell me the story of Jesus because of the words, all right? about growing up as a child, hearing these old songs, and, and I can still see my grandma standing by the piano leading the, leading the song service, and how these words are so meaningful to me, and I know that they are to you, and they've molded our lives, actually all of our lives, so it is well with my soul, and you know, as the Lord laid this on my heart early this morning to do this song, and to finish with this, because there's so many things going on in our world today. There's so many things going on in all the lives, even in this auditorium, as well as those that are watching online. And no matter what you're facing, that we know that it is well with my soul. 
come before you tonight and we just thank you and we praise you for that word we thank you for the fact that we can stand in that that it is well and lord as we open your word tonight we thank you for the anointing upon it speaking to the hearts and lives of people in jesus name amen sorry i interrupted you clapping but i had to pray that was too worshipful a uh, couple of uh things i think prayer requests we want to remember justin he's going in february 20th uh, for back surgery again, or believe God for relief and a good surgery. So we'll be agreeing with Him. I think there's others that are on that list that we'd be lifting up and and taking care of those prayers. But want to definitely uh, be aware of that. Well, li listen tonight. I got a, w a great word for you. I, I was I'm stirred by this because I, I believe it's both challenging and encouraging at the same time. You know, uh, I, my morning Bible studies have been uh, one of them was along this line. But let, let's uh, I'm gonna call this let go and take hold. You know, I I I. I, I thought of this quote, and I've used it many times, that there was a, a man that once said, you can't steal second base while you're standing on first. And you know, I remember coaching 10 and under baseball, and these little eight-year, eight, they're nine-year-olds that first coming up, they'd, they'd been playing uh, machine pitch or coach pitch where they couldn't steal, they couldn't lead off, and boy, that concept of leading off was a hard thing to teach for some of them. They just couldn't see how, if you step off that base, you can be tagged out. And I tried to relate to them the chances of that boy throwing that ball clear over here. And the guy catching it and tagging you when you're this far off that bag before you get back is, I can guarantee you it ain't going to happen. You're, you're okay. You're okay, son. Just take a step out there. And I can just remember, I'd go, I'd be coaching first base and I'd say, all right, get a lead. And they'd go, I'd say, get a lead. They'd go, get a lead. 
And then oh, they'd run back. I just couldn't stand it. It was too much. <laughs> but you know, in practice, we had to we had to do that. And finally, I just figured out. You know what? Well, I, I got to ask the pitcher to throw it over there. Throw the ball over here. And, and I'd hold him off the base and throw the ball over here. Some of them just could not get that. Hold them off the base and then let them go and realize I got lots of time. There's, you know, when you're this far away from that base, it's one step. You're okay, all right? But sometimes I think we're, we're wanting to hold on to what's safe. And we want to be cautious. We want to be careful. Of course, then you got some of them that get so daring that they get out there and get picked off, and that ain't any fun either. But you know what? Here's the thing I, I, I learned from that is that we got to learn to be willing to step out. But when we know we're with God, there is no fear. When you know you're with God, I, I, you, there is no fear. John Mason, in his book, uh, Let Go of Whatever Makes You Stop, he said this. He said, you're, you're not free until you have been captive by God's supreme plan for your life. Only those who are bound to Christ are truly free. In His will is our peace. You know, I began to think about that, and, and I began to think about so many people and in, in, in their lives and their willingness or, or maybe unwillingness to completely give themselves over to God. I can just tell you, the best place you'll ever be is in the hands of God. The best place that you'll ever be is right where God needs you to be. You know, you want to find that best place? There it is, God's will. If we can be willing to go there. You know, sometimes we, we ask ourselves or we, or we maybe think about things. We want eternity, but, we, but we, what we realize that we're missing if you don't surrender everything to God and let go and take hold of God that you're, you're just missing things. So how do we let go and, and uh, take hold? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to say the first thing is that we've got to learn not to worry. I know that's hard to do for some of you more so than others. It's hard to do when, you, when you're in some of the situations that you're in or maybe have the, the, the things going on in your life. Sometimes it's hard to worry. But Jesus continually told them, don't worry. The Apostle Paul said, don't worry. They, all the apostles, they taught people not to worry. Why? Because they said, God's taking care of you. And we're going to look at some of the ways that God takes care of us. But let's first of all look at verse 25 out of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25. He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food? I don't know. It depends on how hungry I am. I mean, sometimes we make so much about food. I went in there. Finally, I was like, "Man, Sue, you know, she's works from home now, and so, and I was home studying, getting ready, and I was it was and it was lunchtime, you know, and I was like, "Hey, what are we what are we gonna have for lunch?" And she said, "Well, I'm making a shake for myself. I don't know what you're having." <laughs> I said, well, you're not going to make me a sandwich? She said, no, you're, you're a big boy. You can make a sandwich. I said, yeah, but they taste better when you make them. They really do. I don't know what it is. It is always better whenever she makes them. But, but you know, here's the thing. I worry. We worry about things. He's, he's, he's getting on us about worrying about things that are superficial or unimportant. What are we going to wear? You know, I, I realize that he's not, he's not telling us that we shouldn't wear clothes. He just says, don't make your main motivation about things that are outward or things that are feeding your flesh or things that are affected by other people. Keep them about the kingdom of God. 
He says, he goes on, uh, well, let me, let me give you a definition of this word worry. This word worry in the Greek is, is merim, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't really think it, you need me to pronounce it, but I can tell you its meanings. It's meaning. It's meaning, it comes from a word merizo, which means to divide into parts. The word suggests distraction and preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. You know, think about that. That's what worry does. Worry is something where we were preoccupied with things that cause anxiety and stress and pressure. Jesus speaks against worry, anxiety, because, he, because of the watchful care of the Heavenly Father who is ever mindful of our daily needs. If you begin to think about it, and that's what He's trying to teach right here. He's trying to tell His disciples. He's trying to tell those that are, that are in uh, the area wherever He is and the Holy Spirit had Matthew write this down just so that we can hear it and know it, is that God has you covered. God will take care of you. And I was thinking about this this afternoon. Why do we get so caught up in worrying about so many things? Because we're inundated, we're programmed to rely on or, or think we need things that we really don't need. We see advertisements. I was thinking about this, you know, there, there's, I, of course, search all kinds of, you know, horse training and roping videos and cowboy stuff and, you know, all this stuff on my phone. So my phone automatically, you know, if, if you don't understand this, <laughs> the reason you get stuff on your phone is because what, what else you look So they, they're feeding me these, these ads and there's this one outfit called, or this company called Schaefer Outfitters or something, some, some cowboy duds. And man, they're cool. They're sharp. They're, they're really nice. But they're stinking expensive. They want men's, oh yeah, here's a real working cowboy shirt, and it's $120. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go out there and close a barbed wire gate with a $120 shirt on. I don't pay, even my nice good shirts aren't $120. That is not a working shirt. That's a cowboy, somebody wants to dress up like a cowboy shirt. And if you are a cowboy and you want to dress up with a $120 shirt, Game on, do it. I, you're fine. They wanted two hundred dollars. You know, I wear a jeans jacket that's insulated. I wear a jeans jacket that's not insulated. I like a jeans jacket. My jeans jacket, I bought it down at Little Joe's down in Oklahoma City, down in Cowtown. It cost about seventy-five dollars. I think I got it on sale for sixty. Theirs, just like it. Oh, it's a premium one. Better be for two hundred dollars. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go grease the tractor or I'm not going to go, you know, go out here and get all dirty or snag it or rip it. I'm not going to take a chance on a $200 jacket. Now, I may wear a $200 jacket to work. But eventually, my boots that are kind of expensive, that are my good boots, eventually they become work boots. I used to get teased when I'd wear a pair of ostrich boots to work. I'd say, well, you don't understand. I've had these things like 15 years. <laughs> they're, they're wore out, but I'm going to wear them out here because I'm, I'm going to get every dime out of them I can. At some point, I might do that. But see, I'm really not picking on what you spend on your clothes. I don't care. You spend $20. I mean, my work shirts, man, I get them, you know, $15 or, or $30 because I know they're only going to last so long. But here's the thing. Am I going to worry about what other people think about it? Am I going to worry about i got to have that in order to have status or look right? It's not the price you spend. It's not the things. It's not the way. It's, it's God's, really, he's, Jesus is trying to tell them, look, you're in a bind because you're worried about things you shouldn't worry about. You're, you're, you're caught up in things that the world says you need. 
The world says this is this is it. This will make you uh, something better, something not you know. Don't worry about that stuff. You know, here's the thing: we want to we want to put our trust and our hope and our faith in God and not allow things to 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 worry or cause worry. You know, I like in this verse in in the first verse there in verse 25 out of the King James, the original King James, it says, "Take no thought." Everywhere else, every other translation says, do not worry. But when we understand where worry comes, where does it come? In our mind, in our head, in our thoughts. King James says, take take no thought. Don't take the thought of anxiety. Don't take the thought of worry. You say, well, how do I do that? You put your hope and your trust in God. For one thing, I've always said, and you hear me say it a lot, do things God's ways, you get God's results. He says, don't worry about those things. You know, I, I think sometimes we allow the world to dictate what we have to have in order to have something. You, you look at shows. I, I, when I've got three daughters. We've done a couple of weddings. And I tell them, I say, quit watching those bridal shows. Quit watching Say Yes to the Dress. Quit watching that stuff because we're not spending $30,000 on a wedding. I don't care I love you enough to, for you to realize you don't need to have that kind of money. Now, if you spend that and you want to, that's fine. I'm just telling you what I said. And it was, we ended up spending way more than what we, not that much, but I mean, we spent, they asked me what the budget was and I set the budget and then I never heard another word about the budget. But you know what? They were happy. We, they were blessed. It was all all right. We didn't go in the poorhouse just, just, to, just to throw a wedding that other people would think was awesome. Bottom line is, what do, what do you think? I've done a ton of weddings in backyards with hay bales and, and very simple. I think, I think it's all up to the people. Again, God doesn't care if you have nice stuff or not. This isn't a, this isn't a, this isn't a, a, a message about you're, you're, you're spending too much money. It's a message about don't let the world dictate, or I mean this part of it, don't let the world dictate what's right and wrong so that you're stressed if you don't have it. Here's the thing I've learned is if I condition myself to trust God, then the things that I have need of come into my hands. The things that we, we need will, will come as a result of us trusting God. It's amazing how He can bring them to us in a way that doesn't stress us out, doesn't worry. He can provide things that don't even have payments. I know there was a season and time in my life I had to let that sink in for just a minute. Because for some, I, I remember a time in my life where I didn't think I could, I mean, I couldn't wait. <laughs> I mean, that's why God gave good credit. You know, let's just go borrow, let's go buy, let's go do it. But God can show us better ways to live. And so don't let the world dictate to you, you've got to have something that you don't need. Again, I'm meddling a little bit, I'm on a soapbox a little bit. Y'all love me? Everybody love me? All right, Smile. Go ahead, even if, you, even if you're inside, you're going, oh, quit picking on me. Or maybe you're like, why is he talking about all this stuff? I don't care about any of this stuff. You know, it, it, you, there's, there's importance here because it, it comes back to stewardship because when we get all caught up in all that stuff, anxiety, a lot of anxiety comes. I've, funny, I'm, I'm building a, some of you, if you watch Facebook, you say I'm building a tack room in my shop. Well, I'd go over to some of my friends, somebody else has got a wonderful tack room, and I'd walk in there and go, you know, I'd fight off jealousy. It's like, man, what a tack room. 
I don't have a tack room like this. I got an old, you know, I just stuff everything in my trailer, you know, just that, that's, that's my tack room. And that's okay because you end up having it anytime you go anywhere. But, you know, I wanted this tack room, and I, I, I was getting ready to build one, and Gary had given me some plywood, and I was going to build it in my old, my old hay barn, and, and it was all dirty and dusty, and I, I was going to go in there and have to rewire stuff and everything. And then it hit me one day. I, built, I had built about eight years ago an office in the corner of our shop and so that we could go out there. And I thought, you know, all i got to do is cut a hole in the side of that shop, and I've got a wonderful... I don't know what it is, 12, 12 by 12 room, already insulated, already lights, already plug-ins, already everything I need. All I got to do is cut a hole inside of a metal steel building. Now, that's not that hard for, for me, anyway. Now, I started to call Jerry, and, and uh, I, I did call him. I said, hey, I might need some help on this. Why don't you come do this? And then, then I got to thinking about it. I thought, nah, I can do it. And so... We did it. I, I had one guy come by the, and help me and, and uh, got the door hung and, and, and everything's in there and we're working on this deal. But see, I wasn't worried about it, but it was a desire. And see, when you have something, when you, when you give your life to God, that's what God ends up doing. He'll, he'll end up providing you something in a way that you never even thought. I could have worried about it and stewed about it, tried to build, worked, done all this work, a, a whole lot of a harder way, and yet God brought it around to, to an easy way because I'm putting my trust in Him. I'm not worrying about things, needing something that, to compete with or so somebody else can see it or, or any of the other reasons that it might cause worry. He says, don't take thought. You know, that's the first thing we got to do if we're going to let go of the world's way, let go and, and take hold of God. Just don't worry. Second thing is this. Let's read on down to verse 32. Or verse 28, he says, Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow and they, they don't labor or spin. Yet, verse 29, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor were dressed like these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, with, O you of little faith? Verse 31, so don't worry. He says it again. Don't worry. Take no thought, the King James says. Don't worry what we'll eat, what we'll drink, or what we'll wear. Now notice this verse 32. This is when he gets a little personal. He says, this is what the pagans run after. This is what the Gentiles, this is what the heathen, this is what the people who are outside of God's way, he's, what he's separating is, is he's saying, there's those that follow the world and there's God, my people. And God's saying, do things a little bit different. Doesn't mean that you won't have some of the same things, but how you get them and the motivation in which you get them and the process is entirely different. He says, these are things they seek after. But your Heavenly Father knows you need them. And then He'll reveal. He'll provide. Verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Seek first the kingdom. See, it's the second thing that we've got to do if we're going to let go and we're going to take hold. Is We've got to live differently than the world, than the Gentiles, than the, the heathen, what they call the heathen, those that are without God. Jesus wasn't being derogatory towards people who were not Jews at that time. He was simply using that as a separation. And he said, look, there's a different way to live. Live different than the world. You know, uh, a good way to forget your troubles is to help others with theirs. The world doesn't think about other people. 
But God says, think about other people. One of the good ways that we can live different from the world is that we think about others or we look at helping others with their troubles rather than just worrying about ours. Verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom again and His righteousness. In the, in the Amplified, it says, His way of doing and being right. That's the way we want to live. And you know, that's a heart thing. We have to set our heart to do that. We have to let go of the world's way and even the way that we've always done things and been comfortable with. And we say, okay, I'm, God, I'm going to take hold of you. That means I'm going, to, I'm going to do things a little bit different. You know, seek first God's way. You know, uh, I was thinking about using, I wanted to use the example. What if you were given a large sum of money? I don't know what large is to you. Large to you might be $1,000. It might be $5,000. It might be $20,000. It might be fifty. You know, it may have to get really big for some of you to, 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 for it to be a large sum of money. But let's say you got a large sum of money. Several thousand dollars. What's your first response? What's your first thought? Tithe. I like that. You get an A. Ding, ding. She gets a gold star. But here's the thing. If you get a large sum of money, what's your first response? Is it, ooh, now I can go, you know, me, I, I, I would think that for, as well. But you know, we'd also, I'd also think, ooh, you see, I, it's like a saddle I'd like to have. You know, I might need another horse. You know, I might want a new guitar. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, hey, I, I, there's some things I want. And then my wife would go, oh, no, we're going to save that. We're going to pay off this debt. We're going to do this or do that because we don't have very many left. We're working hard to get them all paid off. But you know what? Here's the thing. Unless I have trained myself to have that first response, your flesh is going to cry out first. First thing you're going to think is me. Most, of, most people would think if you've got a large sum of money, you might eventually get around to figuring out what you're going to do. But here's, here's, here's the one thing that we ought to all have in our nature because we've surrendered to God, we've let go of the world's way, and we've gotten God's way, is the first thing we ought to say is, God, what do I do with this? You see, because if we'll say, God, what do I do with this? We just, we just brought God's blessing on that situation. Because what the devil will do is he will come in and he will try to immediately rob you of the blessing of having it. He'll make you fight with your spouse. You ever had a large, you know, a large sum of you get a big tax return or you get a, a, a sell something, have a big chunk of money or something, and then you fight? None of you would ever do that. Or, huh? You'd lose? Well, yeah. I didn't say who'd win. I just said there'd be a fight. You know, what, what would we do? We'd start disagreeing sometimes is what can happen. You get a large sum of money or immediately your kids show up. Oh, hey. Or, or maybe, you know, there's, or, or what some of you'd say, well, I'm sure just something would break down. How many of you had that thought? Don't raise your hand. But you know what? Here's the thing. God's not after your money, but He wants to bless you. And so He might say, spend it. Do whatever after the tithe. Guarantee you what He's going to do is the first thing He's going to go according to His Word. What does His Word say? We ought to say, God, if I was given that. What does the Word say about giving? He says, he says 
he'll give seed to the sower and bread for food. Remember my sermon a couple weeks ago where I said, God, I, I want to be a giver. I want to have a heart of a giver. If you want that heart, you know what God will begin to do? He'll begin to test to see if you are for real and he'll put something in your hand. It might be a $50 bill. It might be a thousand. It might be something big, or it might just be a, a small opportunity. And you say, well, uh, well, maybe next time, God. Or will you say, all right, God, what do you want me to do with this? You know what? The I tell you, it is the most fun thing to do is to be in a place that you can bless other people. But you can condition yourself. See, when, when something comes, then it can't steal from you your joy. You can't, <clears throat> it won't cause you to begin to worry. It'll be a blessing. And you know what? <clears throat> if it leaves your hands... You know what God does? Put more, more back. He's not going to withhold from somebody who's ready to be generous and willing to, to, to do that. But see, how do, we, how do we let go and take hold of God? We've got to do things different from the world. We've got to make sure that that sum of money doesn't rob from us. But we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you yours. And then over the rest of it, oh yeah, God, what do we do with the rest of it? You know, Sue and I's first response, that's our first response, we, but we've trained ourselves through the years. And we'll begin to look at, okay, do we pay this bill? Do we, do we give this? Do we do extra here? What, what do we do with it? Do we enjoy? Do we save for a vacation? I mean, you know, do we get, take, get away? Do we buy something that we need? God's not opposed to you using, but He wants your heart in the midst of it. The third thing is this, if we're going to let go and let God, or, or, or grab hold of God, is that we don't get caught in other people's lives. Let's look at um, Luke chapter 10. I did this in my morning Bible study. Talked about Mary and Martha a little bit. I think it was on Monday, and uh, I saw some things in this that I I don't, I don't know if I've seen them before, but uh, exactly the same as as what I saw them this time. But Mary, this is not Mary as in Mother Mary. This is Mary, the friend of Jesus, Lazarus' sister, and Martha. They were they had a house in Bethany, and if you understand the lay of the land over there, Jerusalem, just outside of Jerusalem, just a few miles is, is Bethany. And this community of Bethany is where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived. And, they, and Jesus frequented their home, stayed there a lot. They were close friends. That was a place that he stayed when he was in that area. And so he came by in verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. <clears throat> and Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, first of all, I think that's funny. That's almost like her title, Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. <laughs> kind of a kind of a funny thing. I don't know. I'm just okay, dorky, that's kind of a bad bad joke, but uh she's she's there listening to what he said. Now a lot of times we take this story and we make it about that or, or a lot about that, that Mary was the one that was doing right. She was there listening to the Lord. But look at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care for me that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Well, I tell you what, that, that kind of sounds like some people's prayer. Hey, Jesus, hey, hey God, you need to do this. You see, Martha, Martha was getting caught up 
and being distracted by other people instead of serving with a right heart. You know, <laughs> life, is, life is like tennis. Okay, you know, tennis, if you're not good at serving, you're going to lose. Bad joke, but true story. Life's like tennis. If you're, if you, if you're not good at serving, you're going to lose. Life's like that. If we can learn to serve, you know, I, in the morning after men's Bible study, we set up all this stuff. And it's a lot of things to have to carry down. And, and most of the guys that are able to get up and down the stairs, and some who, you know, are just still barely able to get up and down the stairs, help, help get this stuff down here. And I usually shovel manure out of here and make sure these doors are shut and put that big tarp up there. And, and, and we set everything up and get everything kind of ready for the guys, uh, except for the sound system. And then after service, there's others that serve to tear that down. That's a great way to serve. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a blessing. There's other ways that, that, that you serve. But see, Martha was caught up and distracted over what Mary was doing. She's being defined by the standard that society had said that she needs to fuss over her guests and get upset. And she was upset because nobody was worrying with her. <laughs> Martha's all worried. She's saying, Jesus, don't you see this? Aren't you worried with me that Mary's sitting at her feet? She's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. Women and my sister is supposed to be helping me, and she's going on and on, and she's all worried about this, and she's all fuss, fussing over this. But see, she was stressed, but her stressing became a martyrdom. She began to be a martyr over it. She began to, oh, poor is me. Oh, wo- oh woe is me. Oh, poor me. But see, here's what we got to do. We've we got to choose to leave that. Because listen, there are times when you're going you're gonna to suffer trouble. You're going to have challenges in life. And you know what? You can sit back, and I, I can sit back and say, well, poor me, I don't, have as, I don't have this, or I don't have that. I can say, well, poor me. Well, nobody, you know, nobody did this. Nobody's... Did that. And, and I can either have that attitude and mindset or I can choose to have a different one. And see, that's kind of what Martha was doing. Listen, there's seasons of life that are tough. Seasons of life that are difficult. There's, there's times when raising your kids, being an empty nester, going through health challenges, aging, maybe losing a spouse or having a spouse that, that doesn't even know who you are. Those are tough times. Those are difficult times. I'm going to tell you what, the things that you go through... You, how we handle them are our choice. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. He says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. You know, we've got we to commit Second Chronicles. That's an Old Testament Scripture. There's King Asa, and, and he's, God's getting on him. He's saying, man, you didn't trust me, and you could have. That was the, I didn't want to get over there into that whole teaching. But the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth. They're searching the whole earth. In order to, the, the King James says, show Himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to Him. This says to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. See, when we lay hold of God, that's a, that's a demonstration in our heart. We're fully committed. So i got to choose, no matter what my lot is, my challenge is, the time is, God, I'm going to, Love you. I'm going to follow you. You know, tr- troubles are... I wrote, I wrote this. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me this afternoon. The troubles are part of life, but hopelessness is not of God. 
God spoke that to me, and I thought, man, i got to write that down. That's good, Lord. You see, troubles are a part of life, but hopelessness is not of God. See, God didn't leave us hopeless. He didn't leave us in that place. And so we got to make sure that we don't choose to be a martyr, to feel sorry for ourselves, to stay and wallow in self-pity. I know that's hard to hear sometimes. But I guarantee you, when we choose to do things God's way and we take hold of God, He he can transform our story. You know, the important question tonight is, in this this instance of Mary and Martha, where are we in that? You know, Jesus goes on, He responds to her in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. And I wrote in my Bible that do not matter. You know what? We get worried about and upset about many things. And you know what? Here's the thing. God loves us. In, in, our, in our situation, there's going to be times, man, I understand being momentarily in that pity place. I understand there's nothing wrong with you saying, God, I, I can't do this. God, I don't want to do this. Listen, that's just being real with God. God's okay with that. Those are tough things sometimes that we go through. But don't stay there. Say, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This is greater than I can handle, but God. But I'm going to hold on to you. God, I'm going I'm to change my mindset, my attitude. I'm not going to take the thought of worry and fear and anxiety. He says, verse 42, The few things are needed, and indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. You know, I think that's the thing that we got to do, is we got to sit at the, at the Lord's feet in those, in those times. And we say, God, strengthen me. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong, to strengthen those whose heart is loyal to Him. Just say simply, God, I'm putting my heart and my trust in You. Regardless of this circumstance, I'm not going to take worry. I'm not going to worry about the things that the world worries about. I'm going to trust You. I've got a couple of quotes here. We need to listen to the advice of, of, of Corey Ten Boone. She said, don't bother to give God instructions, just report for duty. <laughs> That's kind of what Martha was doing. She was giving, giving God instructions. Here, God, you need to, Jesus, you, you, need, to, you need to get on Martha you, or Mary. You need to get Mary up, make her worry and fuss and get upset and frustrated with me because I'm doing this all alone. Yeah, Daniel Webster, this is, this is quite a powerful story. Statement: Daniel Webster, who wrote, wrote Webster's Dictionary, I believe that's the man. He he said, in all his great accomplishments, he learned those he learned those who can see God's hand in everything. Check this out: can leave everything in God's hands. What a great statement! I'm gonna say that again: those who can see God's hand in everything can leave everything in God's hands. You must let go so you can lay hold. When you have nothing left but God, then for the first time, you become aware that God is enough. As soon as we decide to keep anything from God, we show... uh, Let me read that again. As soon as you decide not to keep anything from God, you show you love Him. He said, the most important thought I ever had was that that of my individual responsibility to God. You know, when you begin to think about that, 
We can say, God, what's my individual responsibility to, to you? When we begin to, to make that our, our purpose, John Mason in, his book, in that book also said this. He said, the world has rarely seen what God can do with and for and through a man who is completely yielded to God. You know, our, our part in that is Psalms 51 is a great example in verse 10. He says, the, the, the psalmist David, King David, after he had failed greatly, he said, God created in me a clean heart. You know, anytime the word goes forth and it's a little ouchy, it's a, it's a little, it's a little gets on our toes a little bit or, or challenges a little bit, what we can do is come before God and say, God created in me a clean heart. Help me to hear, to receive, to understand, and to take what your word says and apply it. In Psalms 51.12, it says, God, make, make the change come for the, remind me of the joy of my salvation. God, help me, help change my perspective. Create in me a clean heart so that my motives are right and pure and give me the ability to, to have joy in the salvation that I once had. I'm going to close with this, but Martin Luther summed it up like this. He said, sums up being fully yielded this, in, in this way. God created the world out of nothing. And as long as we're nothing, He can make something out of us. Man, I tell you what, that's just a, a willingness to be surrendered to Him. You know, a lot of you wouldn't see a drastic change in your life as far as what you do every day if you surrendered your life to God. I think somebody are, some people are afraid to surrender their life to God because they're, they think God's going to ask you to do something like you know, go overseas on a missions, or you know, you're going to have to sell everything you have, or you're going to have to do something drastic. Here's the thing: God won't require anything of you that you're not capable of, for one thing. That you're that you're not that that would take you in a bad place. Remember, the very first thing I was talking about is, man, I tell you what, a, a, the most freeing place will ever be is in God's will. That's the best place. Best place will ever be. So if I can surrender, if I can let go of my ways, let go of the world, let go of, of the fear and take hold of God, the amazing places He'll take us when we can turn loose and hold on to God. So I just, I just challenge you with that word tonight and ask you that simple question, can you let go and take hold of God's plan for your life? You may say, well, God, what could you do with me? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at guys that you know, and, and women and, and, and men are across here that you could be a Peter or a Paul or, I mean, those guys had a lot of strikes against them. If you'd have been on the committee that was going to select the 12 disciples, you would have breezed right past Peter and Matthew and, and, and the Apostle Paul would have been never, you wouldn't have even gone close to him. Of course, he wasn't actually one of the, but yet we all know he became one of the key individuals of, of the whole New Testament and the growth of the church. So let's, let's pray and let's just ask God, take this and, and apply it to our heart. Father, we just come before you tonight. I, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the challenge to us. Challenge to us to let go of things and grab hold of you. God, I thank you that the word says that, there's, that perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in, in putting our full selves into God to trust in Him with everything we have. Because, Lord God, You're not a God that removes and takes away unless it's a, a way to prune and to improve and to increase. 
God, I thank you and I praise you that you 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 want to take away the things that hinder us to provide us opportunities in life. So, Lord, for those that tonight would would have a heart that would say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm I'm yours. You you may add, I'm not much. God doesn't need much. All he needs is willing. So tonight I just pray that for those that, that would surrender, they'd do that. And if there's anybody who has not made Jesus Christ Lord of their lives, that's the first part of surrender is give your heart to Him. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Make me the kind of man, make me the kind of woman that I need to be so that I can fulfill Your plan, Your purpose for my life. Father, I praise You for this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We're going to close with one song, I believe. Or we might just... Yeah, come on. We're going to do one song to close. And uh, just... Man, I tell you what. Uh, I, I believe God was really speaking tonight. I believe the crowd's a little smaller than we've been. But, you know, those of you that are here, I believe God knew exactly what you needed to hear and speaking into your life. So we're going to close with one song. Continue to remain in that position of thinking about what God can do with you and we'll break down all this stuff and you can serve here in just a minute. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. All right. You guys all know that so you can stand and sing it with me. All right. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. out of here. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father in heaven, thank you for the blessings of the services this evening. Thank you for this message. Help us all to be more willing to let go and take hold. Lord, I pray that you'll just help us to rely more and more on you. Trust and obey and put our cares in your hands. Help us as we go our ways. I pray that you'd give us traveling mercies. Bless each and every one and each home that is in attendance here this evening. Thank you, Lord, for all your many, many blessings that we're just able to be here. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Come back next week.